just a few minutes and uh, we're going to move you to the back of the room. I can tell you. We're going to get Lisa up here. Hallelujah. Yeah. Welcome to River Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. We're ministering tonight on two realms of life, two realms of life. And we're continuing what we did last Wednesday. So this will be part two. So if you would, in your Bible, turn with me to the book of Romans, the book of Romans chapter 10. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Yes. Hallelujah. Now I just have to go longer just to make sure that I don't give in to that. <laughs> Look what it says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. It says that if thou will confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus... Would you say that last part with me? The Lord Jesus. And shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. The process of raising him up with our sins. Thou shalt be saved. For with the mouth man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Family, we are supposed to, we have some uh, uh, doctorates in this house. Real proud of y'all. But we all ought to all be getting our master's degree in Jesusology. We ought to know the New Testament, that we could write a thesis on it this weekend. We ought to be able to be adept and skilled and crafted with handling the word, handling the commands of the word, expecting the promises of the word to come to pass, and prepared for any situation that anybody comes up with that needs who we are in him. I want to encourage you that if you have any craft or any skill or any endeavor that you're working on and you say, I'm looking for mastery in this particular area, I want to encourage you to not let the word of God escape your scope because the word of God is what we'll live by, not your craft. Those things change and jobs change and demand changes, but the word of God will be in demand. And you will need it before you leave this life. It doesn't matter how much money or, well, or uh, health you have it. You will have the word of God. It will be a necessary part of your life. And uh, I have found that more and more, it depends on what you and I know versus a, like it used to be, just depending on who you knew. You're going to have to, I'm going to have to be able to put the word in. So here it talks about in chapter 10, the new birth. All things in faith work just like this, but this one is specifically talking about the new birth, although uh, the word save there includes everything. It's not just the new birth. It's talking about deliverance and healing and, and uh, everything that's in God that's a blessing. So, uh, but, but what we're going to look at here is that Jesus and the kingdom, the word of God, is like a seed and this seed, like any seed that we would plant, has everything we need. It has everything we need. If you take a corn seed or even something smaller, uh, an okra seed is very small. A mustard seed, obviously, very small. But it has everything it needs, in, in the mustard's case, to grow up and to be a large plant. It has everything it needs to control the soil that is planted in and demand out of it what it needs, to master it for what it needs, to uh, demand what it has, the soil, 
for what it needs and bring it to fruition. Such mastery the seed has over the soil. And so like that, the word of God in us has mastery over our situations. You know, if you, had, if you bought or looked at a new car ever, you'll notice that on the back window sticker usually, there's an MSRP, Manufacturer Suggested Retail Price. And in that, it'll tell you two things. First of all, it'll tell you everything that's in the car. It'll, it'll tell you what kind of sound system, what the wipers do, the whole thing. And then it'll tell you the price for all that you're getting in that. And then we go and negotiate. Well, I'm going to tell you tonight, this is an MSRP. It tells us exactly what it has, and it tells us what it costs. And it costs the Lord Jesus everything, but he said he would pick up our check, so to speak, and it's paid for. And so we are endeavoring as a people. We are always having to bring our focus back to what's the main thing, because the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing and not get caught up in doctrine or expertise. Well, I know how to do this, and I know when the child... Chaldeans hit the Judeans and all the stuff that's in there that we keep our focus on uh, the, the truth that it has everything we need. And so we don't know anything. Here's the point. We don't know anything about our lives, about the new birth, except what's in the word of God. It doesn't matter if somebody tells us anything about any experience they've had and it doesn't line up with the word of God then they are useless in our life to that point. We don't know anything unless we can back it up, find it and back it up and put it into action, the word of God. Second uh, Peter chapter one. Second Peter chapter one, if you would. So God has listed everything that's yours and mine in the kingdom in this MSRP. He tells you that there's healing on this vehicle, so to speak, that there's supply, that there's healing in this MSRP, 2 Peter chapter 1. And then it says the price. Well, the price is not affordable. We can't pay it with good works. We're short. We are little. But he said, I've already made a deal and... Bought it all for you. Second Peter chapter two, verse one, uh, excuse me, chapter one, verse four. I love this scripture. I hope you have a little star, a big arrow, uh, uh, something there that says in, in verse, uh, let's go to verse four. Whereby, so those first three verses are talking about something, and he sums it up in verse four. He says, whereby are given unto us, say unto me, unto me. given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. You know, the word just goes over the top and just saying some good promises or even saying some great promises, but it says exceeding great and precious promises. I, it seems like the, the embellishment of these things in the word, talking about how wealthy he's made us and how glorious we are. He uses these exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or imagine or think. He uses these things so that there's no exception. It's like a lawyer writes out a contract and he, 
He writes out all these things that could possibly be contained in that last statement. And so there's no wiggle room. There's no way you could say, well, I can get out of this. There's a loophole. Well, there's no loophole here to say that God's not quite got it for us. These exceeding, uh, exceeding great and precious promises. Why? You always see that colon. You have to say, he's going to explain why we have these promises. Then you can just judge whether you want the promises or not. If you don't need the why, well, then you don't need to engage the, uh, the gift there. He says that we might be partakers of the divine nature. Well, I'm signing up. I'm signing up for the promises. If that's what is required to be a partaker of the divine nature. And then he said, having escaped the corruption or the destruction that is in the world through lust. Promises. Promises. The promises. There's promises in the word and the Bible says they're exceeding great and they are precious. And so we have to attach that value to them. It's like, well, what values should we attach to promises? Well, they're good. They help. And if you need one, that, they're fine. He said exceeding great and precious. And so we need to, to line up our life and say what's precious, what's great, what's exceeding great, and say, you know, nothing really stands in front of these things. And there's a lot of things. People, they like golf. They like to go fishing. They, you know, people have their... their their lust, so as it were, uh, all lust is not evil, but if it's, well, maybe it is. Hallelujah. I don't know. But uh, he said here, put it in front of all those things. And so he's saying here that the promises are what deliver us from the trouble, that they are rich and they are precious and that we are to engage them. The, uh, the transition here is that the trouble we had is equalized and mastered by the promises that no matter what we are faced with in this world, the promises are the answer. It's a faith answer. Now you can get a miracle, but somebody's in faith for that, even when it's that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we see in verse 13 something described that we call the spirit of faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And in verse 13, let's look at that just for a moment. It's talking about how strong we are, how well equipped we are, how, how courageous we can be because there's no weakness in our armor. There's no lack in our weaponry. There's no, there's no uh, dark spots in our strategy. He said, we having, we, comma, having the same spirit of faith according as it is written. So he's going to tell us what's in the Old Testament, quote it. And he said, I believed and therefore have I spoken. So you have to believe before you can speak. We all know you can speak out of your head without believing. And we've done that. We've all done that. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. But he said you have to believe to get this kind of speaking. We, uh, excuse me, I believed and therefore have I spoken. And then he comes back to the new covenant and says, it works here too. We also believe and therefore speak. So we see that two amazing elements to faith is believing and speaking. Believing and speaking. So it must be that, that words have spiritual power. 
that believing is not enough, that we need something more than just making it in the warehouse. We need a truck to take it to its destination, to, to deliver it to the place of the need. And he said here, words deliver the power, as it were, delivers it and takes it where it should go. So we're going to speak. We don't just say, I believe for everything, for everybody all the time, all, all over. You, you can't deliver that. So sometimes people say, well, pray for the world or pray for something that's real broad that you can't deliver with your faith. You can just sort of scatter it there. But if you say, we're believing God for this or that, well, you can, you can believe, you can go find the promises and believe based on the promises, believe based on the promises, believe not just hope, but believe based on the promises. Then he says, once you believe, you can deliver your faith, the force of faith, the power of the word, you can deliver it with your words. So we can lay hands on someone and say, be healed and be made whole. If we believe, then we can release our words and our words will take or transport that faith, that power, that energy into their body and affect a cure. And so words carry, carry spiritual power. But you know, life and death is in the power of the tongue. So they'll also carry death. Words will transport all spiritual things out of the heart. So if you have a fear-filled heart, your words... Nothing's going to happen until we speak. You know, even that old, that old saying, it's, been, it's better to be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Well, that, that kind of applies here. It's better if you can just not say anything. So in Mark eleven twenty three, 23, it says, speak to the mountain, be, say, be removed, be cast in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart. So the doubt there is talking about that if you doubt in your heart, if you, if you doubt there, you're going to speak. You're going to speak. You're, any force in you, spiritual force, wants to be out when it's consummated, when it's matured. It's going to say, this is what we have. I, we're all going to die. We're all going under. The, it's all going to be terrible. And that force of, of uh, fear will come out and transact. But there's only one life in inside of you and me. Only one life inside of a believer. There is no spirit of fear in us. We may have our head entertaining it, but the spirit of fear has been displaced by the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So we have a spiritual force that's amazing. So we have to have a confidence in it of how it works. So we'll pull the lever. If, if you have this huge car and you've never driven a car and they tell you, well, here's this huge car. Look at this engine. Look at these huge tires. And then they show you the gas pedal and they'll say, now, honey, this thing's little. This is a little part. It's just, but this thing will take you down the road 95 miles an hour. This thing will, will turn this car up. It'll, it'll do everything. Pay attention. Well, we need to pay attention to our words that we believe. Words that convey it. And uh, I want to turn to Romans chapter 12. We're just going over some things like we did last week. Because we never can get very far from the basics. And I know this is basic, and, and maybe there's somebody out there that says it's not basic to me. Well, yay, we want to uh, be a part of your faith walk. But we're all keeping these things in review. It says, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. 
Well, we'll just read verse 1. I beseech ye, therefore, brethren. This is real strong. I beseech ye is real strong. By the mercies of God that ye present your bodies. Present there means every part. Our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So that implies that we could present something less than our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. But here we are in verse two and it says, and, and, so they're different, be not conformed to this world. Well, that tells us right there, you can be born again and conform to this world. There's a culture in the world that's very pleasing to us. The one we came out of that we enjoyed or that we uh, were raised up by, a pleasant one. We would like to go back to that. That's why Thanksgiving is a big deal in America. Is because it's part of our culture that most people have a pleasant memory of or they want to. So people are willing to do just about anything to get to grandma's, so to speak, for Thanksgiving. And they have commercials, you know, coffee commercials where the vet comes in and he's just there in time for Thanksgiving. That's a cultural thing. And it's a real strong affirmation inside of us. Well, he says here to not be conformed to the world. So there's other culture items that are very strong too, but not nearly as exciting as Thanksgiving or Christmas. And so he said, watch out that you don't take something that's pleasant, that's contrary to the gospel. Be, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I, I, the New Living Translation says, let God transform you into a new person. Let God transform me into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. So basically being transformed is changing the way that you think. For instance, the world is, uh, and it's all over us, but the world has got a, a set action and reaction uh, uh, way of thinking. That if there's a storm coming, there's going to be destruction, for example. Or if the markets crash, there's going to be, we're all going to uh, not have any food, water's going to go down. That is the progression. That's a way of thinking. This action will lead us to this reaction. And that's because we have experience of it or we have history of it. But as a born-again person, we need to defy that culture, as it were, and say just because the whole world collapses, because the pandemic's everywhere, because, because, because does not mean that there's a path into my life for anything but blessing, honor, and fullness. And so you have to defy it. You have to actually get people a little aggravated at you. Like, really? Really, Michael? Really? You know, come on. Give it a rest. Give it a break. But I am resisting, and you are too, being taken over by that culture so that seemingly harmless action to a reaction would not migrate into a, a reaction that'll take my life or hurt other people. And so I guard it. I, 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 challenge when I challenge news. Somebody says, this is happening. And then they'll be happy to translate that for you and say, therefore, this is going to happen. We're, you know, the, ele the elevator shakes a little bit and, and half the people in there said, we're all going to die. Have you all seen those movies? Oh, when we went to Russia, <laughs> it was an easy reaction because 
every elevator just shook like somebody at the top or a monkey was pulling on it with a string. But uh, you have to resist that because you will be you will be controlled like a puppet by the action of the puppeteer that says, if I bring this, they themselves will bring forth fear and speak words that have a force and they themselves will self-destruct. The devil can't do anything to us. He can bring the storm, the pandemic, uh, 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 an economic collapse. He can't do anything to us unless we buy into it. So he says, be ye transformed by the way you think. Everything's turning out amazing. There's plenty more where that came from. That's why we say that is we are transforming our thinking from lack and need, from uh, sickness and, and health, uh, disease, to saying whatever that's going on out there, my reaction is going to be the same. Good times and bad, I'm going to react the same. And so uh, uh, I believe that it's the only job you and I have is to change our mind. Now, one good thing would be is if you raise children since they were little and you have developed a culture, then they don't have to, they have to fend off what's going on around them, but they don't have an entrenched uh, culture inside of them of fear, of unbelief, of, uh, of uh, the devil being strong and God being little. Wouldn't that be glorious? Wouldn't that be glorious if our parents had all had that in them? And we were raised from little pups and just like, ah, we speak to the storm at our house. Mom always tells it to go around and we've never had a storm. You know, if you had that when you were little, then you could give it to your kids. And it's just like that culture would be amazing. So our number one job as Christians is to find out what happened at the new birth. What did we become? And we've been looking at that on Sunday. So what's inside you and me? What what can we know about the great and precious promises? For one thing we can know, I am total authority and total power inside. Would that offend somebody? Probably, because they'd say, well, you don't demonstrate it well. It wouldn't really matter if you had a, uh, a, a jar of gasoline and you go, well, that's not gasoline. Uh, it's not on fire. Well, that's because I hadn't got it out yet. But we can burn this house down. We can burn down this if we just... And so just because the authority and the power hadn't come out like I want it to, boldness will pop that lid off and strike the match, and all of a sudden we're all going to be on fire. That's what we're endeavoring to do is get a different reaction out of our action. And so our power as believers, now we're just reviewing here, our power as believers is to, uh, is to command the unseen realm. Nobody else can do it. You know, witches can and all that sort of stuff. They can access the negative realm, but we have authority over them in the name of Jesus. But we are commanders of the supernatural realm. I'm a commander of the supernatural realm. That's why no weapon formed against us can prosper if you believe it and enact it. I'm in charge. Demons are afraid of me. My money comes. My money is full. Oh, and all of that, here's the paradox, is that we're in a natural body. We're in a frail body. We're in a, a body that, that, in the natural, every little wind that comes by affects us. You know, you get your flu shot, and did you have your... It's everywhere because we're in this frail body. And matter of fact, 
the, the angels and demons have all kinds of uh, abilities in the supernatural realm, and yet we, being in a frail body, have charge over the angels, and we have authority over them to command them to do what we need to be done. What we see and know, we just send the angels to take care of that. I'm in a natural body, and if we lose our natural body, then we lose that authority. It's an amazing thing, and of course, that's why Jesus had to be born in the earth, is he needed a body in order to transact business in the earth. Even the devil, Lucifer himself, Satan himself, he cannot transact business. So he tries to bring an action against us, hoping that we will react with our authority to say we're all going to die or we're all going under or the pandemic. Uh, one of my members of my family says, I don't think we'll ever get back to normal. Says it all the time. I don't think we will ever get back to normal. Well, you know, you can't buy into that. So we don't. Uh, in Matthew 6, 31, the Bible, Jesus said, take no anxious thoughts saying, take no anxious thoughts saying, take no anxious thoughts saying. So we have to, we have to uh, uh, contain our anxious thoughts because if they get loose, they'll say, and if they say, they will create. We will have what we say if it comes out of our heart. Uh, we got just a minute or a little bit. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, if you would. We're just talking about who we are. We're just dusting the furniture, as it were. We're just putting a new coat of paint on something that needs to be spiffed up. Chapter 10, Paul tells us about our life. Oh, I got to read this first. I, I skipped this. Let me, let me tell you this. I'm just going to read this. Matthew 28, 18 in the Passion. In the King James, it says, all authority. Let me just read it to you. In the King James. And then we'll read it. All authority in heaven and earth. All power. Excuse me. Excuse me. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Does that cover everything? I'd say the boy, the, 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 the it was in there. He says, go, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing in the name of the father. It's a very, very powerful scripture. But the passion really brings it to a different fruition. It says, Jesus said, all the authority of the universe has been given to me. I like that. Heaven and earth, yeah, that's right, but universe. Then here's the best part. It says, now go in my authority and make disciples of all nations. Go in my authority is implied in the King James, but he brings it in there. Go in my authority. All authority has been given to me in the universe. I'm giving you what you need here on the earth. Wow. Amen. Amen. So we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and it says in verse uh, 3, I want us to look at this. For though, though we walk in the flesh, so there's a, that's, that's speaking of our mortal bodies, our frailty, our, our, our vulnerabilities in our natural body. For we, though we walk in the flesh, live in the flesh, we do not war to win after the flesh. So 
we're not going to put our frailest or our weakest part out in front. We're going to put something else out there, even though that's part of us. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing. This is how we war. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The New Living says that. It says this. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of, listen, listen, of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. What is warfare? It is in the head. If you win in your head, then your spirit can work and you win. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. Wow. Let's see where we can go. I'm going to go to Mark chapter 11. And we're going to wind this thing up. Do you know all this stuff? Of course. We know our ABCs. We can count to 100 most of the time. And... Uh, we can make change. We know all the basics. But we have to stay sharp in the basics or the details don't matter. Mark chapter 11, verse 23. For verily I say unto you, we just quoted this, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, let's get our says and our whoever's in there right, that whoever, whoever shall say unto this mountain, this obstacle, be thou removed. So there's a saying. And be thou cast into the sea. So we commanded to do something. And shall not doubt in his heart. But believe. So the believing comes later here. Believe to say. He just puts saying and then why to believe. But shall believe that those things which he saith, which he saith, which he saith, shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. So we looked at this last week about we have to be the sayer. We have to react to the word, the promises, and say, I believe the promises, therefore I say. And when I say, then it activates the promises. The promises are, are activated, as it were, like you turn on a light switch. They are activated when we believe and speak. They're activated and they are sent on assignment according to our faith and the word, the promises, and they do the work of the kingdom for us and with us. Now, why do we bring this up? Because sometimes we get a little rusty, not in believing it, not in not knowing the knowledge, but of being willing to activate it, to pursue. I must believe. I got this issue. I must believe. So I go to the promises and say, here's the promises. I will meditate them day and night. I will get them in. I will look at them from every facet and side until every doubt, every reticence, every hesitation in me is absolved. And then I will speak. The promises will speak and I will give utterance to it. And the, my ch the change in my life has begun. It's amazing. The the biggest obstacle to the kingdom in the Gospels is that it's too simple. 
If there were seven steps and some of them were a little tricky and you had to pay attention, and if it didn't get just right, you know, sometimes putting in passwords in your computer or your phone, if you miss one digit, it, it, it treats you like a fool, like you can't come in here. We're, we're not even going to let you put a toe in the door. You, you back off, buddy. So here I do. I back off and reload. And Well, that's the way it is with the kingdom. If it was hard, if it was difficult, if it was challenging, we would say it's worth the challenge. But it's just like believe and speak the promises. So if we have any reason for failure, it's because we over-rationalize it. I talked to a man last night that has been born again since uh, he's my age, and he's been born again since he was 10, so half a century. And, uh, and he asked me, he said, how do you know if you're saved? Well, what is that? Well, he's just been away from the basics, and the devil was eating his lunch. And he had seen action and had parlayed that into a certain reaction, and his outlook was very poor, very, very dim. So we had to, so what, you know what we did? Because he just didn't know if he was saved or not. Even though he spoke in tongues and the whole thing, I just, I just walked him through it like he was not saved. And God, and made him confess and made him declare Jesus. And you know what? Today I called him and he, he's on top of the mountain. He's a million dollars. He's like, I got this. But he didn't want to go to hell knowing that he hadn't done enough. Wow. Amen. I believe that I received them. Verse 20, 25, 24 says, um, What things soever you desire when you pray, whatsoever things ye ask, the word is really demand. What things soever ye demand when you pray. So we're, we're serious. We're concentrating. We're focused. We are praying. I am dealing with the promises. I am I am activating the promises. If it was an atomic nuclear code, we'd pay attention. So we pay attention. I am in prayer, and I'm going to activate the promises to what I desire. And then he goes on and says, uh, what, when you pray, believe that you receive them. You say, well, what happens if you don't? Well, then you have to go back until you believe. And you, you just can't you just can't leave the sugar out of the cake. Nobody's going to come back for seconds. It's got to be done. And ye shall have them. Believe and say. Believe and say. So how, what are y'all doing right now that's got your your believer busy? Something some challenge that uh, the promises are a little dusty. You don't have your master's degree in that particular area or you did, but you forgot some things. You know, you can learn a foreign language. Uh, I, I used to know some Spanish. I could get along with it because I was around Hispanic people. But I can't even say good morning anymore because I hadn't been around anybody that says buenos dias in not so long. So it's the same thing with the word. If uh, you hadn't dealt with healing or dealt with finances or something, you might be a little rusty in your promises. We've got to shinny up that tree and take care of it. And you say, well, when should I speak? The promises will speak yeah. on their own. Yeah. They will speak on their own. And if something else is coming out, well, then the promises aren't speaking yet. But just go back and get filled up. 
Isn't Jesus amazing? Wonderful. So excellent. His, he is so excellent towards us. And he keeps his word. I mean, he just doesn't say, you know, this is going to be hard for y'all. I'm going to change it so it's easier. I'm so glad he doesn't do that. I'm glad that he keeps us going to the mark. And we have to uh, answer for it. But it's so simple. We can do it. Amen. So let's, let's end this year in faith. There's, uh, what is there, about six or seven weeks left? Uh, something like that. And uh, let's end it in faith. Let's end it on something that's different than right now. Let's not, let's not have an action that says it's the, here's the reaction. It's the holidays. Nothing will get done. And it's two months out of our life, or three. Um, when did they have Christmas trees up? Was it in July? You know, they're, they're, they're trying to wreck our timetable so that we're in perpetual holidays, which is an actual, a slowdown mode. You don't get much done during the holidays. And we, we have to fight that and say, I'll be doing something in faith on the 24th. Mostly saying, God, make everybody get me a good present this year. <laughs> Them gimpy things I got last year. Lord, we're going to pray about this this year. You might ought to start now. <laughs> well, they got their finger on the phone. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for tuning in to us this evening on River Church Broadcast. You're a blessing. We'll be back Sunday morning and then next Wednesday night. Be blessed.